Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. If, I've, if there's a pastor out there that I look to, uh, that's not my pastor, it's your pastor. Um, I appreciate your heart, your humility, and your stance on the Word of God. It's inspiring. Truly. I'm, I'm so thankful for what you do for your service. Um, I know that you don't do it for the honor or for the glory. I know that you do it for the Lord. Um, but I, I do appreciate brothers who will uh, stand up for the truth and what is needed in a world that we live in today. Amen. And I know that you know you have a good pastor, so we won't dwell too much on that. I appreciate him a little bit more if his wife wasn't such a pain in my side. <laughs> I love, you. love you, Sister Renee. Amen. Look at, look at the book of 1 Chronicles with me this morning, church, and uh, I'll do my very best to, to preach, not be before you too awful long. Uh, I, I had one sermon I was praying over, and the Lord uh, moved me to, to go into a different direction for this morning, and uh, so I'd like to preach to you uh, out of the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 21 this morning. Give you a second to get there. If you look at verse number one, the Bible says, And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. And David said to Joab and to the rulers of the people, Go number Israel from Beersheba even to Dan, and bring the number to them, and bring the number of them to me that I may know it. And Joab answered, The Lord makes his people a hundred times more so as they be. But my Lord the king, are they not all my Lord's servants? Why then doth my Lord require this thing? Why will he be a cause to, of trespass to Israel? Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab. Wherefore, Joab departed and went throughout all Israel and came to Jerusalem. And Joab gave the sum of the number of the people of, of, unto David, and all they of Israel were a thousand, thousand, and a hundred thousand men that drew sword. And Judah was four hundred threescore and ten thousand men that drew the sword. But Levi and Benjamin counted he not among them, for the king's word was abominable to Joab. And God was displeased with this thing, therefore he smote Israel. And David said unto God, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing, but now I beseech thee, do away the, iniqu the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. And we'll stop reading right there. I thought uh, this morning uh, I'd like to preach on uh, the thought of taking a census that doesn't make any sense, or as uh, Brother Josh has redirected me this morning, uh, a senseless census. I don't know, he just he couldn't let me be me, I guess, I don't know. Uh, no, truthfully though, church, uh, as you look at this story and as we, as we dive into it, uh, David is going to do something that's very foolish. 
in this passage of Scripture. He's going to do something that's going to be detrimental. It's going to cause devastation. And if the Lord would bless, I'd like to just try to remind us and point us back to the fact that all that we say and all that we do and everything that we are about as Christians has got to be rooted and grounded in faith and trust in God. Amen. Amen. Let's look to the Lord in prayer this morning. Dear Heavenly and Precious Father, God, we love you and we thank you for your grace, God, for your mercy, for your love. Father, we ask and pray that you go before us this morning and that you'd humble our hearts, that you draw us towards you, God, in your word. And I pray, Father, that as we, Lord, uh, look at what your passage of Scripture tells us here, God, that we would know, Lord, that we can trust in you, Father. I pray that you'd humble our hearts and draw us closer uh, to, the, to, uh, to the work and to the will that you have for our lives. God, we pray this morning. God, that you would bless Brother Gary and Sister Renee. Uh, God, as you uh, have placed them in a, a position of leadership in this church, God, uh, that they would set the standard high, God, for what it is to trust in you, God, and to rely on you in every aspect of their lives. God, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you this morning. And in Jesus' name we ask and we pray. And amen. Amen. Uh, if you look at the beginning of this passage of Scripture, uh, in First Chronicles, this is there's a... a, a Similar story of this in, in the book of 2 Samuel, I almost read out of. It's in 2 Samuel chapter number 24. But in the uh, book of 1 Chronicles, the Bible says that Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. And the first thing that I'd just like to remind us of is that we have an enemy out there, church, that is trying his very best to provoke us to lose sight of the thing that is most important in our lives. He is trying to provoke us to leave our faith and our trust in God in what we say and in what we do and put our faith in ourselves. Amen? Uh, Satan rises up against David to number Israel. And the first thing that I really want to point out this morning, if you look at verse number two with me, is that David stands up and he, he goes to Joab, who is the, the commander, the military leader of uh, the army there. And he says to go out and to number the people of Israel. And then if you look at those last four words of verse number two there, he says that I may know it. A deep-rooted issue in the heart of David's sin was that David had a pride issue here. David has an issue with letting God be the one who is in control and trusting God when David did not know all of the details. Here's the irony of this story. In David's reign, David is the king that is reigning over the, the golden era of the nation of Israel. As you look around at all of the, 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 uh, the neighboring countries and all of these places, the Edomites and the Amalekites and the, and the Philistines, it's during David's reign that they go out and they conquer all of these enemies, and all of these enemies are grafted in to the nation of Israel. God is powerful and God is uh, faithful in delivering his promise to the people. Yeah. He goes out before them and he gives them victory after victory after victory. He conquers enemy after enemy and God is faithful to provide for his people. Amen. But for some reason, we don't really know what, what it is that's going on other than it appears to be the pride of his heart. David all of a sudden has to know all of the details. David has to be aware of what is going on so that he can promote his agenda so that he can be in charge, so that he can take hold of things and, 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 and lead in the way that he wants to lead. And this puts them 
on a spiraling downfall that's going to end in devastation for the people of Israel. If you look back at the book of Exodus and you went to Exodus chapter 30, you would find that God gave some directions and some instructions for the way in which a census was to be taken in the Old Testament and among the people. God gives clear instructions on how to take the census. The people were to pay a ransom for their lives. And the reason why the people would pay this ransom was so that the money that they could give and that they gave would go into the service of the house of the Lord. And all of that was so that the people would remember that God was the God whom they trusted in. And David didn't do this. David didn't take the ransom. David did not remember that the people were not his own. Brother Gary, maybe if nobody else is needing to hear this this morning. I want you to remember, as faithful as you are and as good as a pastor as he may be, the Sandhill Church is not your church. You are the shepherd that is placed over the flock of God's people. This is the bride of Christ that God has entrusted to you. And you must remember, church, that what you say and what you do in this life, it's not your own. Your ministries, they're not your own. Your children, they're not your own. The work that God has called you to do, it's not your own. Your singing, your preaching, your testifying, your witnessing, the labor that you do, the life that you live is not your own, church. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy, for there is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself, listen to this, church, a ransom for all to be testified of in due time. In Romans chapter 12, the Bible tells us that I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And lastly, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Bible says, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. You see, the truth of the matter is, church, that if we're not careful, if we are not honest with ourselves and sincere in the way that we approach God, it's very easy to get caught up in, look at what we've done. Look at what we've accomplished, church. Look at how much that God has blessed us, church. As a matter of fact, if you want me to be honest with you, church, I believe that some of the most trying and dangerous times in the life of a Christian are not when we are going through it, but when we are standing on top of the mountain, looking around at all of God's blessings, his victories, the way that he provides, and we're thinking to ourselves, man, God is good, and look at what we've done. And the problem with that is that we haven't done a thing, have we? Because we serve a God that is the God that gives the increase. So what we plant and what we water is not of any consequence because it is God that is going to give something that is worthwhile in our lives. Amen? Amen. But in this story, David, for whatever reason, he decides to take this, this census without paying this ransom. It's as if that David himself is just trying to get himself in a position where he says, okay, God, I know that you have brought us this far. I know that you've given us all of these victories and we have all of this blessing in our life. But at this point, Lord, I think I can take it from here. And this is the danger that I'd like to uh, try to warn us of this morning, church, that as Christians... And as a pastor and as a church, what you say and what you do must always be directed back towards, Lord, I trust you. 
I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. Things are bad. I trust you, Lord. Things are good. I trust you, Lord. Things are going off the rails. I trust you, Lord. Things are lining up exactly as you'd planned them. I trust you, Lord. Because if we take our eyesight off of God and place it onto us, we're going to wind up in the same situation that David winds up in in the story. Amen. The other thing that I, as I study this, I began to, I began to wonder, why, why would you take a census? What was the reason to take a census? And especially in the ancient world, there's two major reasons. First of all is that you would take the census so that you could get a, a good idea of what your standing army looked like. You would understand how many soldiers that you had available at your beck and call in case you needed to go off to war. The other reason was that, and, and this makes a whole lot of sense, the nation of Israel in this time period is a nation that is going out and conquering. They're a nation that are, is going out and defeating all of their, their enemies. And when you conquer people, you typically go in and destroy their land. And then you know what you need to do after you've conquered them? You have to raise taxes so that you can rebuild that land. And so as I began to think about this a little bit, I thought, you know, this makes an awful lot of sense why David would have wanted to take this census. And if we look at it logically, it makes a lot of sense to us too. The problem is that God did not tell David to do it. God did not instruct David to take this census. God wanted David to trust him. But David, he had his own agenda. What's the book of Proverbs tell us? Trust not in your own self. Lean not unto your own understanding, but do what? Trust in the Lord. You know, there, there are some times that I, I go places to preach or I get up in the pulpit to preach, and I'm, I'm a little unsure, maybe is this something that God has really delivered? But as I, as I listened to you testify this morning, and I began to listen to everybody that was talking about how much they love and appreciate Pastor, and even when Brother Gary was speaking there, you just kept saying, it's not about me. It's not about us. It's not about what we're doing. It is about trusting in God because our lives are bought with a price and we do not serve the Sandhill Church. We do not serve Brother Gary. We serve Jesus Christ. Amen? And this is, this is what uh, I think is so, so damaging in this situation in our lives is that if we are not careful and we don't keep our trust and our focus on the Lord, we're going to find us, uh, ourselves in a situation where the damage is done. We're going to get to this in a moment. But it's not going to be us that's going to deal with the damage. I want you, I want you to tuck that away. We're getting there here in just a minute. But this is, this is the really scary part about what is going on in this story, is that the damage is going to get done, but David is not going to be the one that's going to have to deal with it. It goes on before we get to that. Let me, let me instruct you to listen to each other and listen to wise counsel. You see, in the story, if you look at uh, verse number four or verse number three, the Bible says that Joab, the commander of the army, he stands up in this, in this question that uh, the king has given to him. And he says, uh, the Lord makes his people a hundred times so many more as they be. But my Lord, the king, are they not all my Lord's servants? Why then? Doth my Lord require this thing? Why will he be a cause of trespass to Israel? I like the way that 2 Samuel says this. Joab, he, he looks at his king and he asks the question, why do you delight in this thing? 
Why is the thing that you are, uh, that you are lo- uh, longing to do, why is the thing that you are wanting to accomplish here something that is an abomination to God? David is doing something against the will of God. King David, the man after God's own heart, the one who was leading Israel during their heydays. You might be looking around, church. You might be looking at Sand Hill. You might be going, you know, we're in our prime right now. But if you take your eyes off of Christ, you're going to fall, and you're going to fall quick. If you take your eyes off of Christ, you're going to start sliding down a slippery slope that you're not going to be able to quit until it's too late. David likely required Joab not to just go around and take a census of all of the people. But he likely required Joab to take a census of people that God had explicitly said not to take part of the census. When you look at verse number 6, the Bible says that Joab refuses, he refuses to count the Levites and the Benjamites into the census because this is an abomination to God. God had instructed the children of Israel in the book of Numbers not to include the Levites into a census because they were the men of God. They had a special place in the nation of Israel. They were to watch over uh, the, the temple and the word of God. They were to instruct people. They were to go over the rituals and the rites with, the, uh, with all of the people of Israel. And they were not to be included as the foot soldiers that would go out and conquer the neighboring enemies. Most scholars believe that what David asked Joab to do was not just go out and take a census of all of the people, but to include people who were not included in God's plan to go out and conquer. You know what I love about the Sando Church? Is that you are willing to stand up for the word of God, no matter how unpopular that it makes you. You're willing to stand up for what is true and right and holy, even if it means that you're not a church of 500 people. Even if it means that you're not liked by many around you because your desire is not to see the church grow in number, but to see the church grow in the Lord. If I can just be honest with you, church, there's a lot of churches out there today that are only interested in getting bigger, that are only interested in seeing more and more people come in and sit in the pews that are only interested in seeing more and more relevant things and doing more and more things that are catchy and fun and entertaining so they can get more and more people in there. David was trying to get people who were not qualified and not ordained by God to go out and do the conquering that he had called to do. Church, that's a census that doesn't make any sense. Right? David was not there so that he could lead the people in the way that God wanted them to lead them. David was doing whatever he wanted. And this is the great, this is the great travesty of this story, is that David, he was a man who knew what God's law was. He was a man who understood what God required of him. Yet, for whatever reason, we don't know what it is. The Bible does not give us the reason why David does this. But for whatever the reason is, David gets his eyes off of God and gets them onto himself. And because he does that, this problem occurs. 
Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1 says, Whoso loveth instruction, loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof is brutish. You know what brutish means? I love this. I love how straightforward the word of God is. It means stupid. <laughs> That's the literal translation of the word brutish. If you don't love to be instructed from the word of God, and you don't love to hear your pastor or some of these other ministers or some of these, uh, these ladies in this church that are trying to give you sound instruction from the Word of God, you're going to wind up right in the same situation that David is in, where you take your eyes off of a God who is able to overcome, off of a God who is able to give you victory, over a God who is able to give you peace, and you're going to place all of the burden of whatever it is that you're doing on yourself. And that's a census that doesn't make any sense. I mean, that's just downright foolish, church. Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. The wisdom that God has given us in his word is something that time and time again, we must look to. And despite King David having wise counsel in his life, he nevertheless overrules him and does something that is incredibly foolish. You know how all of this ends? You know how every bit of this ends? The Bible says that God is angry with David for what he does. And as God comes to him and the prophet, and he gives him three different options on what consequences that he can let go out, David chooses to let a pestilence come across the land, and 70,000 Israelites die. Because David took a census that didn't make any sense. I'm not really here to try to beat you up this morning, church. I'm not here to try to rebuke you or make you feel like you're doing things wrong. Because if you want me to be honest with you, you're doing everything right. If there's a church that I know of that loves the Lord, that honors God, that stands on the truth, that serves in humility and love, with a heart that is only directed towards Christ. It's this church. I'm serious. If Brother Matt and I are asking ourselves and we're looking to the Word of God and we're looking to, for things that we need to be doing at our church so that we can grow closer and grow stronger in our relationship with God, we look to the Word of God and then the next question that we ask ourselves is, hey, what's Sandhill doing? I'm serious. You guys are doing it right. But don't take a census that doesn't make any sense. Don't lose sight of what's important. Because the moment that you start to look around at yourselves, you're going to fall. And the great, the great problem with that is that it might not mean that you are the one that loses your salvation. You are the one that suffers the consequences. But you got kids in this church. you got a, you got people. I wish I could give each of you x-ray vision. You just look outside of these four walls, and you can look at the people that are around this community, the people that you work with, your neighbors, your co-workers. Those are the people that are going to suffer the consequences of us taking a census that does not make any sense. In the book of Corinthians, when Paul is writing, the first four chapters of the book are all about the divisions and the factions that are going on within the church at Corinth. And Paul is writing to them about how that there is no foundation that you can build upon except for the foundation of Jesus Christ. And when you get to chapter number three, Paul starts to deal directly with the lives, the ministries, the work that the church is doing. And he says this, he says, if you build with the precious things of God, 
silver and gold and the precious stones. That is something that when the Lord returns, it is going to stand on the day of fire. But if you turn to those weak and beggarly elements, if you start building your ministries and your things with, with wood and with straw and with stubble, when the Lord, it may look, it may look great to the world, but when the Lord returns, it's going to be burned up. And then I love what he says at the end of that. He says, it's not that you, you may suffer loss, but it's not that you are going to lose your salvation. But there will be a loss that occurs on that day. You know what, the, you know what he's talking about? He's talking about wasting your life doing a bunch of stuff that does not man matter because you have lost sight of the only thing that does matter and you have not sought to build the kingdom of God in the hearts of people. Instead, there's all my notes for all my other sermons. Instead, what you've done is you've built all of this stuff that looks great and it's appealing and it's done well and it's done uh, so that people want to be a part of this church, yet you have forsaken your trust and your faith in a God that is able to increase it. Church, I love church camp. I am so thankful that you have carried on with the, the, the ministry and the sacrifice of doing church camp every year. But if I can just be honest with you, if church camp ever becomes about having fun, and only doing games and putting zip lines and, and all of this stuff in that, that, that draws thousands and thousands and thousands of kids and we neglect the word of God, that's a census that doesn't make any sense. And I just don't want to be a part of it. You know what I think? I don't think you want to be a part of it either. The truth of the matter is, church, that you can do all of the, the podcasts and you can do all of the things, but if they're not about the word of God, and they don't direct people to the only foundation that they can build their lives on, it's a census that doesn't make any sense. Amen. Brother Gary, you start to look around at your people, and you start to say to yourself, look at how talented that we are. Look at how creative that we are. I mean, come on. Brother CJ can take somebody as sophisticated as me and make awkward moments with Adam seem funny. <laughs> hey -o. Hey -o. I mean, but the truth of the matter is, you guys have a lot of stuff going for you, and you have a, a lot of talent and a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, a passion with the, the things that you're doing. But the moment that you lose sight of the only thing that's important, and the moment that you start to put all of your faith and trust in what it is that you're doing, you're just building with sticks and straw and stubble, and it is not going to stand on the day that the Lord returns. The census that didn't make any sense was because David took his eyes off of God. And what I'm here to try to encourage you to do this morning, church, is to do just the opposite of that. Keep your eyes on God. When things are going well, keep your eyes on God. When things fall in place, keep your eyes on God. When things are falling apart, keep your eyes on God. When the finances are overflowing, keep your eyes on God. When your finances are drying up, keep your eyes on God. When we have 700 people at church camp, keep your eyes on God. When you have 30, keep your eyes on God. When you get 55 people that sign in to listen to your Godcast, keep your eyes on God. When you have 1,200, keep your eyes on God. Because the, the, the thing that is going to, to stand, the thing that is going to matter when all of this is said and done, is not what we have, have accomplished. It's where our hearts were at while we were doing it. God may not ever call this church to be a megachurch. 
He might, not, he might not ever call us to be the biggest youth camp that exists in the United States. He might not ever call you to preach. Lead that ladies group. Stand up and sing. But whatever you do, whatever it is that you are called to do, you keep your eyes on Christ. You keep your focus on Him. You realize that you don't need to, need to know all of the details. You don't have to have all of the specifics. It's not by your strength, by your power, by your might. It's not your agenda. It's not your vision. It's not your goals. It's not your hopes. And it's not your dreams. But it is God's and God's alone. You know what I think will happen if you do that? I don't think people around you are going to die. I know that's a novel idea, right? I don't think that if you keep your eyes on Christ, that people around you are going to look at you and go, I don't want any part of that. I don't want to know what he knows. I don't want to live my life the way that they live their life. Because what they're going to see is an overwhelming joy and love and peace and hope that says that I have found that in all things I can trust in my Jesus. This morning, church, I just want to encourage you. Keep your eyes on God. Everything that you're doing, all of the works that you're doing, they are wonderful. We love them. We're so thankful for the work and the effort and the service that you guys are doing. But the moment, the moment that you take your eyes off of Christ, it all, it all washes away. It's all for naught, it's for nothing, and it's gonna burn up one day. Keep your eyes on God. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we made together and embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.